Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. And that's B1GKURT's B-I-R-T-H-D-A-Y. Happy birthday, buddy. Indeed it is. I am. Thank you very much. I am now 47 years young. Wow. Mm. Getting up there, buddy. I always tell people you are a 84-year-old trapped in a mid-40-year-old's body. So you're actually advancing towards yep. the age that you, you know, that, that pretty much incorporates your soul. So it's you're getting there, man. You know, I had to do just some, some routine thing at the doctor earlier this week, and they gave me the, the, the result of the, the test I took, right? And it said on there, it said my birthday on there, and it said 47 years old. I go, wait a second. I'm not 47 yet. Yeah, yeah. It was like three days ago. Yeah. I'm like, you know, no, 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 we, we're not jumping ahead here. So I'm 46 I, right now. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if you, you, you can't say mid 40s anymore. You're, no. you're officially late 40s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah late 40s. Yeah. Well, yeah. it was a good run in the mid 40s. Are you in a different, uh, Voting TV demographic, or you're probably still in the same one. Me and you are probably still in the same one right now. Oh yeah, good question. Yeah, like a Nielsen, probably goes up to forty nine. Like a Nielsen demo. Even? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, definitely heavy on the Smithsonian Channel. <laughs> yes, very, very much so. <laughs> well, anyways, buddy, uh, I hope you find something more fun to do than you know, hang out with me recording a podcast. I get to go to Best Buy later. That's a pretty big day. Right oh, yeah. There. Maybe, nice maybe Bed, sun. Bath, and Beyond. We maybe. Don't, if don't know if we're going to have enough time. All right. Uh, so we are doing another team grade podcast. So we've got a pretty heavy, I would say, housekeeping uh, amount of items to go through. And then the team grades will be Ohio State, Minnesota, and Rutgers. You want to go down the list? I kind of like it when you uh, announce the, the housekeeping. Housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. Yeah, sure, I can do the the HK. So Caleb Williams, you know, much ballyhooed quarterback from from Oklahoma. Of course, he was TPN, and he was you know checking out the TP. He seemed to kind of like it in there. It was looking, it was looking pretty good for Wisconsin there. I, I to be honest, I thought that's where he was going. You know, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I, I was DMing with a bunch of Minnesota, Nebraska, and Iowa fans, and and there was some concern. You know, yeah. like is this gonna happen? And I swear I can make this statement publicly, even th- even though I was saying more of this privately. I, I just never was that worried. And th- this will probably sound like I'm besmirching Wisconsin, but Caleb Williams just doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to go to Wisconsin. He doesn't. But don't you think, like when they when they signed Graham Mertz, didn't you feel the same way about Graham Mertz and they did that? A little bit, but like I felt his game matched up and, yeah. and he was more of a midwest guy yeah i mean with the caleb williams connection to the new coach on the wisconsin staff yeah. that bobby, definitely bobby engram that's yeah that's why i thought this was gonna happen yeah um i mean if he was a a five-star pass rusher or running back yeah i would have very much thought it was going to happen but in the end i just couldn't get over this gut feeling that you know much like coaches uh, uh rumor to go to another place to try to you know up their contract i kind of feel like that's what the caleb williams family Maybe. was doing to get that bag at usc my guess right. is they're gonna work out just fine financially and yeah and so, makes sense so yep. resolution story he's at usc with his new buddy well same buddy right old buddy right lincoln riley so ohio state some coaching news let's do some coaching yep. news here so ohio state finalizes jim Knowles as the defensive coordinator of course he was at oklahoma state did a fantastic job also hired a secondaries and corner secondary and corners coach and a safeties coach do you know purdue hired five yeah they've hired five assistants they, oh that's half of your staff they just hired yeah that, that's how that's something to look for next year. That's how Brom loves to do things, man. He likes to make big splashy hires. He, you know, why hire one when he can hire three? Well, yeah, that's a good point. But I, I'm really going to be keeping my eye on that one for next year because they just they were coached so well this year, right? And that, because when you have a big jump up with something like that, higher programs, NFL yeah. teams, they come and and grab your guys, and that's what happened. I think a little bit with Brom with Ohio State. 
it was completely different. Um, uh, most of all the changes, there's a, a new run game coordinator that I think we talked about in the past, and we've known about Jim Knowles, but it, it there's been kind of a more of releasing of information, and then Tim Walton and Perry Eliano are the two secondary coaches. We'll talk more about them uh, when we get into Ohio State, but with Ohio State, it was trying to fix stuff. It's kind of a different situation. They, they, yeah. got, they clean the house themselves. And I wonder, like... Obviously, there were problems on the defensive side, but it's kind of like, is this too, is it kind of panic? Okay. You know? Can we, can we put a ball on that and re, re talk about that yeah. when we get into Ohio State? Cause it's kind of interesting. Obviously, something needed to change, but yeah, he, he pretty much blew it up on the defensive side there. Okay. So Larry Johnson's the only one that he kept on the defensive side. Correct. That's the only coach. Yeah. Everyone else gone. My guess is Larry Johnson has a job at Ohio State about as long as Larry Johnson wants to have that position. Yeah, he's basically a Supreme Court justice. Yes, at, he is. At, That's a great Ohio State. He kind of looks like one, too. I yeah. um, okay, Michigan. Well, this is, Speaking of blowing things up. Boy, this is this was fun, I guess. It was just fun, wasn't it? Th- this has been an odyssey. Yes, it has been. Another khaki pants odyssey. So, yeah, khaki pants, <laughs> you know, there's always the rumors of him potentially flirting with the NFL. It looked like it was happening. It looked like it was even being reported. He, it's a done deal. He's the Vikings next head coach. I mean, we had multiple Michigan insiders, you know, people that seem to be pretty darn close to the program, got a blue check mark. They were saying like, guys, this is, this is a done right. deal. And I guess the Vikings had a different plan and they said, it's not a done deal. So he, so he has to, you know, hang his head and walk in shame back to Ann Arbor and say, no, I'm, I'm really committed to Michigan. This is where I want to so, be. So, I mean, there are so many fun things to unpack about this, but here, here is my take on it. I don't think anybody really knows, but um, it sure seemed like. So the new the new GM at uh, Minnesota, Kwasi, um, I'll have to go with the nickname with him at some point, but him and Harbaugh were together at the 49ers. Yeah. And from what I can kind of put together – is, is Harv's knowing that and that they wanted to interview him for the job. I think he was just like, oh, yeah, job's mine. That's all I got to do. It's a formality, this interview. I'm going to fly out. I guess I don't blame him. I mean, he just assumed this stuff yeah. was oh, in yeah. the bag. And because the rumors hit Tuesday night, and, and I sat there and I'm like, but I just read an article that the interview isn't until Wednesday. Like, why right. does everybody think this is a done deal? He hasn't even talked to the team. And and from what I understood, the Vikings wanted to talk to him for the, the number one thing is, are you serious about this? You right. know, like this isn't a fly by night thing. We, we, we are trying to, you know, rechange the culture here at the Minnesota Vikings. Are you committed? And, and the, and you know, the commitment was from, from Harbaugh. Yeah, I'm, I'm committed. But somewhere in between that and the interview, like, I feel like Jim Harbaugh just walked out and like he was 10 feet away from the building and he called like his wife or his best buddy. He goes, yeah, I'm not taking that job. Right. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, I think it's clear though where Harbaugh's heart is. I think he wants to be in the NFL. I think he's, I mean, he's done some good things in Michigan, obviously. So I think he's kind of like, yeah. I don't okay. Know, I think so I'm then, here. so then the question is, why is that? I mean, it, it seems like nobody bleeds Michigan blue deeper than, than Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, um, but he's put in his time. Okay. So you think that, and so what I, and he has, I mean, it's been seven years. He's been yeah. at Michigan. He, he got the big 10 championship. <clears throat> he got the win over Ohio state and, and he got the college football playoff. Okay. So he, he did a lot of big stuff. Um, and then the thought process is, is Jim Harbaugh upset because he believes Michigan isn't as committed to playing big boy, big time football. But then I, you know, I read an article and it's like, I mean, satellite camp yeah. at IMG. True. He asked for it. They did it. Yeah. Trips to Italy, yeah. South Africa. I mean, if you wanted to go to Mars, I think they would have ponied up yeah. at one point. Like he got all of that stuff. There's been improvements in the facilities. So like, I don't really know what you can point at that, that khaki pants would be upset that he didn't get, but but like it seems like there's a disconnect between him and the president, but they're ex teammates. Not that that necessarily means you no, like the guy. No, I mean it that that doesn't really mean that. But like, I just think 
like basically with w- with all this chaos, you know, like I'll say, okay, head coach looking around a job yep. happens all the time. Offensive coordinator leaving, defensive, which we'll get to, defensive coordinator leaving, all of these things happen. But for all of three things happen, the year after you won the Big Ten championship yeah. and got to the college football playoff, I've never seen that before. That is weird. It, but, but, but like the the one person on the planet that will be the least bothered by this is Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. But so the, the thing about it happening, the timing after such a great season, to me, I really think he's he's just like, I, I think this is about as good as I can do here. You think so? Okay, I, think I didn't so. even think about that. Yeah. Like now I got to follow this up. Yeah, I think this I is going to be I think I just reached the pinnacle. And do you look, think do you think maybe he the pinnacle which he saw which was a Georgia team that stacks five-star right. defensive players and recruits which, as good as Michigan recruits, they don't recruit quite to that level. So it, it is the thought process, I'm never going to be allowed to get to that level or I, think, yeah. I don't even want to try to get to that I mean, level I don't because recruiting sucks right. and everybody hates it. Well, that's the other thing. Like, if you can go to the NFL, don't you go to the NFL? I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, it just seems like to me being in the NFL, I mean, number one, you've only got 53 guys on the roster during the year. They're professionals. They know if they screw up, their 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 paycheck is gone. And they're adults. You know, you typically make better decisions at, let's say, 28 than you do 19. Yeah. Okay? So you just have less crap you have to worry about. I think the biggest thing is just recruiting. I, I don't right. think enough people understand, like, getting as committed to recruiting as some of these coaches do. It, it's not for everyone. Well, and even if you are committed to recruiting, at some point it's going to burn you out. I, I would think so. Yeah. And, and I would just say the older you get – the harder it is to relate to 16, 17, 18 year olds. Yeah. And the more, and maybe you can relate to them just fine, but it just drives you nuts. Cause you're just like, I am so tired of these kids and their moms and their dads saying the same crap to me. Anyways, by the way, we're not even done. So Mike McDonald, which I think we screwed up his name last podcast. We did. Yeah. So he goes back. We we screwed up his last name. I can't remember, but yep. Anyways. So, uh, he he's that position still is not filled. So we said that in the last podcast, he's now the DC back with the Ravens. Yeah. So Harbaugh, the Harbaugh is not even resettled back into his office. And now offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis gone to Miami to work for Mario Cristobal. I mean, there's so, so like the first thing that popped into my head was did Harbaugh kind of know Gaddis was on the way out the I door, think. which was another reason why he was like, man, now I got to look at it yes. DC and OC. Yes. I might as well just go to the NFL. Yes, I think that's part of it. Or I think the general thought, pass, thought process of Twitter and Michigan fans is once Gaddis saw Harbaugh just doing whatever he wants, he's like, screw this. There's no loyalty to me, so I might as well take another job. He just won the Jim Broyles Award. For best I know. assistant. That's crazy. That is crazy. It, so, but th- we got three programs here with major coaching upheaval for yep. this offseason. Yep. Three successful. Six, yeah, big programs. time programs. Can I can I throw in a, another conspiracy? Because I don't know if you saw, but Josh Gaddis released a statement, if okay. you will, that to his players. You okay. know, like very quick thing that basically said, you know, sorry, I got to go. I got an opportunity. And essentially said... Be, you know, be cognizant of who is loyal to you. That's what he said to his really? players. Yes. Interesting. Now, it's what I... cryptic, isn't it? A little cryptic. So the easiest way to read that is I didn't feel like uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh was loyal to me. Okay. So screw this place. Yeah. Here's just a little tiny conspiracy theory. The name that I saw thrown out the most by Michigan fans and who they wanted to be the head coach was... Mike Hart. So I wonder if Josh mm. Gaddis is like, now wait a second here. Right. I'm the offensive coordinator. Typically speaking, the head coach leaves. It goes to the offensive coordinator first, and maybe the, you're going to bypass me to, to go to the running back coach. And, Boy, that, and, w- that would have been a stretch, by the way, elevating with Mike Hart. Mike Hart. I That's mean, a- Michigan fans were in the process of talking themselves into it. Wow. That would have been risky. I love me some Mike Hart. I do too. Like, any football program in college would want a Mike Hart on the staff. No doubt. No doubt that t- he is a head coach 
to me at some point. Yes. But he's still pretty darn young, oh, and yeah. that would be a big, gigantic jump he's up. And so, Going yeah. from a running backs coach to a head coach, that's a huge jump. Because at the time, I'm like, but, you know, if you can be in more of a CEO type of role, but in the CEO role, that means you've got a strong OC and DC. Yeah. They don't have a DC on the staff. And as we know now, Gaddis was never going to sit, sit around anyways. So anyways, it was just crazy. It was a crazy week for Michigan. It's funny that it's an Ohio State podcast because them listening in on the Michigan part right now, they're probably going to chuckle oh, out of it because it. Ohio State fans are sitting there like, you know, you finally got up on us. Right. Yep. And you got us and, and you won the Big Ten and and they, it's just blown up. I mean, I, I, head coach was in limbo. They've lost both coordinators. It's crazy. Yeah. And but it'll be fun to see who they they hire because they can hire just about, you know, and on a level like almost no. For sure. Can. They'll they'll get I would think they would make a, a good hire. right now. The number one priority to, to Michigan fans, though, is now that Gaddis has gone is holding on to J.J. McCarthy. That is what they are most yeah. nervous about, is right. J.J. McCarthy entering the TP. I don't, I have no proof that you, I don't know why he necessarily would, but anyways, that's scrolling interesting. Scrolling here, J.J. McCarthy from Illinois. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. interesting. So speaking of Illinois and other teams, there's been some of these, you know, these these all-star games that yeah. have been happening. It seems like there's one every day just about. Yeah. So there was the NFLPA game, the East-West, the Reese's Senior Bowl. Few standouts here. Brandon Peters, one of them. The nimble-footed Brandon Peters, with a with a touchdown run. I had to put it on there because I was like, one last time that nobody in the stadium, including the defensive players and the coaches on that team, would have thought in a million years that Brandon Peters sure. would pull it down and run. And I guarantee you, there was hundreds, nay thousands of people were like, "Oh, look at that guy! Right. He took off!" Yeah, it was one last time for him to do it. Minnesota defensive end Boye Mafe. Yeah, he had, had a big huge day. game. He, he showed a, out. He had a big day. Uh, Nebraska wide receiver I was watching at the time. Yeah, Samari Torre just took over at the end of that game. Two yep. touchdowns towards the end of the game. There, Iowa kicker Caleb Shudek nails a fifty-yarder. Wisconsin tight end Jake Ferguson still related to Barry Alvarez, according to the NFL Network. He had a big touchdown pass. Yeah, or reception. So. He was Kenny Pickett's. I think it was Kenny Pickett's go-to guy. But it was hilarious during the game. And then when they uh, did the highlights on the NFL Network, Andrew Siciliano, who does a great job, by the way, giving out the Barry Alvarez line, I'm like, so, and then I sat there, I'm like, is this going to have enough legs where it carries on into the NFL? It will. It will. So we got we to gotta track this a little bit more. I mean, definitely. If he goes in place for the Colts, is it going to be? Definitely during his rookie year, we'll hear it many, many times. Now, will, <laughs> will you keep hearing, like, let's say he's, he, you know, is a pretty regular, like not necessarily a star, but a reliable starter in the NFL. I think it'll trickle. Okay. Yeah, it'll, it'll peter out at yeah. some point, but yeah. for the first year or so. All right, that gets us into the team grade part of the podcast. Again, Ohio State, Minnesota, and Rutgers. First up, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Preseason over under total was 11. I predicted 12 and 0. So mm-hmm. I went over. I also predicted 12 and 0. Now, we got to remind everyone, we were not allowed to to guess the push. Correct. You had to guess an over or an under. So the question was, were you did you feel more confident about a 12 and 0 season or a 10 and 2 season? And I couldn't see them going well, 10 and 2. Well, and, and you want you want to hear the funny thing for on the podcast where we predicted over over under, I said under, but then I predicted them to go 12 and 0. Okay. So you want to talk about hedging your bets. Okay. That's how I did it. Um, as we know, they wound up going 10 and two, 11 and two overall with the bull win. So first thing we'll do is kind of do the schedule breakdown. So let's just do the first two games first. Okay. Uh, they beat Minnesota on the road here in Minnesota uh, on that Thursday night game and then turn around and lose to Oregon. Here, here'd be a question I have for you. Um, th- that Minnesota Ohio state game was a compelling football contest deep into yeah. the second half. Did we already kind of see the issues that would that Ohio State was going to have to face right in that game, first first game of the year? Well, I think yeah. Looking back, I think yes, we did because the Gophers, although they had a great running game, didn't have a great passing game overall. But they were they were racking up yardage. They were doing both. They were doing both in that game. And sadly, that's you know for Minnesota, that's when well Ibrahim went down, which yeah. we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, but they still ran the ball very well. Yeah. 
I was actually kind of surprised how much they could throw the ball. Now, in the end, Ohio State was definitely the better team. They outclassed. Um, and and, and uh, um, uh, C.J. Stroud, first start, he looked, I mean, I think it's fair to say a little bit shaky. At times, he, but he also made some amazing throws. Amazing throws. His stat line wound up being incredible. But then, yeah, they, you know, they win the game 45-31, to 31, but, but pulled away late. Um, my thought, in Oregon, if you can remember, looked awful their first game like I, I I the spread was 14 I predicted Ohio State to win by 14 so I didn't think they would you know dominate this but like I mean and they wind up losing the game 35 to 28 and you look at that score in my mind it felt like Oregon put more than 35 points up on the board because Ohio State could could not stop Oregon in that game and especially on the ground Oregon just gashed them running the football yeah I mean, that that was was definitely by that point, looking back, okay, there's a problem. There's a problem here Mm -hmm. with Ohio state. Um, that was infamously, I remember the next day that Sunday I had to go run an errand or something. And I was listening to college uh, football radio and there was an Ohio state fan literally that was like, I've had enough of this day guy, get him out of here. I'm already seen. And I swear to yeah. And, and, and Ohio state Twitter, they're not used to stuff like this, you know? Um, that there was a there was a large meltdown factor after that game. Oh yeah. Now absolutely. I can definitely understand being upset. You're Ohio State, um, Oregon's a classy football program, but in your own stadium for that performance, it was tough. And I just want to say, like, you know, there's a lot of football teams that are highly ranked at the beginning of the year. They lose one early like that, and you can see it having a ripple effect sure. that messes up the whole season. Yeah, but then the flip side of that is it's an early game, which you'd rather lose early than lose late. Yep. It's a non-conference game. You'd rather lose that than lose in conference. So, yeah, the the meltdown factor for me I thought was ridiculous. Um, yes, and we're, we're saying that from a point of view of not being Ohio State fans. Uh, but So how did Ohio State respond? Well, they responded by winning eight games in a row I did some simple math so so from Akron all the way to Michigan State eight games in a row the average Tulsa starting with Tulsa then Akron. excuse me Tulsa then Akron by the way they didn't look great versus Tulsa no they didn't either uh they looked just fine versus uh Akron Rutgers Maryland Indiana Penn State played them tough Nebraska played them tough they put up all kinds of points but also gave up all kinds of points versus Purdue Michigan State didn't even show up so the total in those Eight games, average score is what I meant to say, 45 to 17 in those games. So it's a pretty good beatdown. They responded pretty well. I mean, the only two really close games were uh, uh, Penn State and Nebraska. Um, So then, you know, everything is basically looking good in, in, in Buckeye land. They're going back to the Big Ten championship into the college football playoffs. All they got to do is get past Michigan and whoever that lowly team in the West that makes them in, makes it into the Indy. Boom. Um, you you could say one of the bigger surprises for outcome in the Big Ten Conference yeah. in the last five years. Yeah, one of the bigger surprises. And also, it, it really just wasn't that close in terms of physicality, in terms of controlling the game. 42-27, to 27, it's a comfortable victory, but it, it was a beatdown. Yeah, and I've seen actually a decent amount of Ohio State fans. You know, Michigan fans were obviously pretty puffy chesty after that and talk about how they just ran it down Ohio State's throat. I see a lot of Ohio State fans are saying, guys, they're they're right. That's yeah. how it went down. Oh, I don't see Ohio State fans objecting. I think they they knew. They, they accept. They, they knew. They, they accepted their, that for they the got most part. Taken to the woodshed. They got their little butt cheeks spanked. Um, But after that, I, I mean – in my bowl pool, I picked Utah to win the Rose Bowl because there was a lot of defectors. No, that's not the right word. I mean, guys took off to go to the NFL. You know, yeah. they they lost their top two guys from the receiving core. Um, I wasn't really wild about the matchup. I mean, basically, Utah was a lot like Michigan. And we saw that play out for the most part in the Rose Bowl. Utah did very much what they wanted to do offensively. First half, they, it was another Heine spanking. It was, and I mean, it seemed like Ohio State or was going to finish the season with three losses and and not have you know it, uh, which you know it would have been ten and three would have been. But again, you you got to give Ryan Day and Ohio State a little bit of credit oh. on. They came out in the second half and and they said, listen, there's a. Ohio State on the front of this jersey, and they responded. I guarantee that that halftime 
in the locker room was scorched earth. And Ryan Day was doing the scorching. Yes. And he was already... He, I, my my thought process is it's good that you brought that up. When he was walking in halftime and they interviewed oh. him, do you remember that? Oh, he was like the Like, I swear to God, I could see smoke yes. coming off the top of his head. Like, he was already planning about firing his entire defensive staff. <laughs> yes, he was. Every one of those defensive coaches are like, we're, we're except for Larry Johnson, are like, we're dead man walking yeah. right now. Um, but they but, were at that point, they were just fighting for their lives. They, they were. They, they knew the job was gone. They just wanted to leave yeah. with their life. Yep. Uh, but hey, Ohio State winds up outlasting Utah, wins forty-eight to forty-five to finish eleven to two and winning a Rose Bowl. I mean, you look at these stats; it's not very often that stats on a team, especially one that can recruit at the level of Ohio State, is this much, you know, difference. Offensive total yards; they were first in the country, five hundred and sixty-one yards per game. Uh, but defensive total yards, sixty-two. Another one to look at offensive passing yards. This is you you don't find differences like this very often. Offensive passing yards, second in the country, call it 381 yards a game they threw for, but we're a hundred and first in the country for mm. passing yards allowed. Mercy. And and you know, I guess they were a little bit better when it came to scoring average. They were 39th, but that's still just not good enough if you're Ohio State. And if you know the thing about their defense. You've got four and five star guys out there. It's about it's about all they recruit. Yeah, there's no excuse to be that bad on either side of the ball with that kind of talent. And and again, I I, I think it would be rough to say bad or awful on the defensive side, but but at mediocre at best. I mean, subpar is is probably yeah, closer. Yeah, but I'm, what I'm saying is mediocre is not good enough for them. Correct, even subpar. I, I guess what I'm just saying is. Like people were are you know calling Ohio State's uh, defense you know dog shit or something like it, it, it wasn't, wasn't yeah. that bad. I no. mean it, they they had I mean there's a couple games where uh, teams were kept in single digits like they had some decent but it's just the consistency and really like n- needing third down stops like I felt like and then the style of it with um, like their most of the yards they gave up were in the passing game because that was the available yards because yeah. and the other thing is teams are bombing it all over them because they're trying to play catch up to sure. the other side. But I swear, if you asked Ohio state fans, the thing that was scariest to them was the front seven and being able to stop a, 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 a robust rushing attack when they went up against one. That's the scariest one because you just feel like there's no way to stop this. And I know it kind of goes hand in hand, the defensive line play and the linebacker play, but the linebacker play was that was dog shit. I, that was bad. <laughs> Especially from Ohio State standards, yes. yeah. Okay, um, it seems like we're we're and, weighing on the negative here, but and it was, but it's shocking. It's Ohio State. We don't expect it, but it was also coaching bad. Like you, sure they were not like well coached at the linebacker position. Didn't look like it anymore. No, or at the secondary. Yeah. Hence the reason why their the defensive coordinator is gone. Uh, we will get to that in just a little bit. Team stud. Who do you got? Okay, I I didn't want to go with Stroud. Okay. 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 That's the you know yep. I, the consensus. You're just going to pick the great quarterback. I went with Jackson Smith and Jigba. So you want to go with JSN? I went with JSN. How much? How much did the Rose Bowl performance weigh into that? Well, okay, he got better. Like he gained steam throughout the year, and sure. he kept getting better and better and better. And he had his best performance, obviously, in the last game there. But 95 catches for 1,606 yards, 17 yard per catch average. Nine touchdowns. He had seven 100-yard games, but again, that was stacked towards the back and of the of the schedule. He had three 90-yard games. Okay, ninety in the ninety right. to one hundred. That so, be in that close. I mean, that's almost you he know. Filthy. He was filthy. Yeah, and then he start like he made the two hundred-yard receiving game cool, and now he's starting a new t- trend with the three hundred-yard <laughs> receiving game. So yeah, a lot of it is yeah. recency bias. Interesting, but. Again, if you just look at his stats, it was like the whole second half of the season was ridiculous. He was incredible. Yeah, he yeah. was incredible. Um, see, I thought I thought you'd go with Garrett Wilson. Um, so I went with for me, Team Stud. I went with Garrett Wilson okay. for for three reasons. Okay, number one, his stats were pretty good. Yeah. Two, number two, kind of a lifetime achievement award. He's yeah. on his way to the NFL. And number three, the dude's a stud. I mean, just the way he moves around with the ball in his hands or not in his hands, while he's getting open to get ready to torch some secondary. Garrett Wilson was absolutely. I mean, that was a five-star recruit that lived up. Yep. And 
you know, like you just see it a lot of times where those guys don't live up to, to expectation. I feel like he hit it out of the park. And the one thing I'll say for Garrett Wilson versus JSN is he's more of a scorer than JSN. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And you can, there's other ways you can get him the ball. You can get him out of the slide, yeah. whatever. Um, but we do have to give a shout out to TJ Stroud. Sure. Like the balls that where they were landing yeah. in relation to where you would want them to be as a receiver. Like he was a little shaky at the beginning. Oh, really? It was his first couple starts at right. the beginning of the year. By the time he hit his stride mid season and, and especially at the end, he was incredible. The, the pinpoint precision is really, it's as good as you can, like there were throws. It's as good as you can throw a football. Correct. Like it's as good as, Patrick Mahomes. It's as good as Aaron Rodgers. It's as good as any of the the great NFL quarterbacks. He he's got it, dude. He's got the it factor. Yeah. It's gonna be. I mean, I don't know how much longer the it factor will be in Columbus because I think he could leave after next year. But it's yeah. gonna be fun to watch him again. Uh, best game moment. Best game of moment. I'm going with Michigan State. Okay. Michigan State was number seven at the time, and they just outclassed Michigan State. It looked like Michigan State didn't show up, but it was a big part of that was because Ohio State did show up. So fifty six to seven trouncing versus MSU. Um very I mean, that's I thought about Michigan State. I just I went with the Rose Bowl. Um uh it's the Rose Bowl. Okay, so maybe it has a little bit more meaning to me than it does to some people, but and also because it looked like they were going to lose that game, like we talked about before. So the fact that they came out and and won the game in thrilling fashion, I mean, a lot of people were calling that the most compelling, best bowl game of the whole yeah. season. So to me, that's on the list. I think it, there's a big difference between finish the season 11-2 and two Rose Bowl champions as opposed to 10-3 and three in Rose Bowl. Like It's a big swing right there. And another thing you can point at, too, is they didn't let Michigan beat them twice you know, in one year because that's what people would have been saying if they didn't uh, win the Rose Bowl. What do you got for, for team grade? Or head scratcher, head scratcher. Yeah, so this is kind of like the hindsight 2020 thing that we kind of started off this, this uh, recap with. I'm going with the Oregon game and yeah. specifically – Within that game, the the just the rush yards that they gave up to Oregon that was that was big Achilles heel. I mean, they actually were worse as a passing D than a rush D. But at that moment, I was thinking mm, there might be something wrong here. So I'm gonna go with the Oregon game. I went with Oregon as well because of of two things. Number one, again, it's it's in the horseshoe. You know, like you don't expect to see that ever in the horseshoe. And also, dude, Oregon didn't wind up being. That elite, yeah. like that Utah team that we're talking about, they boat raced them twice, twice last year. And then, by the way, Ohio State beats them. I'm just saying, like, if that wound up being an Oregon team that went 13-0 and got into the college football playoff, you would understand they yeah. weren't that no. good. No. So, anyways, no. uh, team grade. Okay, you can't go – you can't give them a bad grade, right? No. They're 11-2. and two. That's a good season right? for any team. But you didn't achieve what you wanted to achieve. You didn't get to the playoff. You didn't beat Michigan. So I'm going not just with a B. I'm going to B minus. B minus. I'm going to B minus. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cause and and part of it is how it looked defensively. That that okay. factored into it. So I knew I was gonna be in the B zone, but there's just a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth from that horrible defense. Okay. That's wow, that's uh now suddenly you're a tough grader. You're all over the place. You would maybe you would have been one on, of those professors that, well, depending I mean, on your mood when you were grading papers, perhaps. I, I'm, I'm a year older, so I'm a little crankier than usual. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, I went B plus, okay, and was considering A minus, but I honestly, now that you've laid it out, A minus would probably be a little high. Uh, but I don't know, man. Uh, Eleven and two, and, and winning the Rose Bowl. It's a pretty good year, you know, yeah, like uh, yeah. top 10 finishing. Like I could be talked into a B, but okay. but yeah, I guess, I guess winning the Rose Bowl, it's hard to give them a B minus. And I would have dropped them all the way down to a B minus for sure. If they lost the Rose Bowl, maybe even to a C plus, yeah. but that was a big win for me. So yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So the 2002 spring ahead, um, if I could kind of go off on this, but so what needs improvement? We've already, you know, talked about it you know, quite a bit here, but is improving the defense. So, I mean, like I've joked with some of the Ohio state, you know, people have followed me, like 
like I wonder if Ryan Day has looked like the Grim Reaper to a lot of those people. Like, has he fired secretaries in the football staff, people on the medical staff? Wait, right. Like, I think he is. And, and I, you know, then you heard rumors about him going to the NFL. Like, I think Ryan Day wants to win a national championship oh, at Ohio State. I first. think so, too. Yeah. Yes. So, like, I mean, I don't I don't know this. I don't know the man, but that's what it is. So it seems like every move that he's trying to make is to get to that next level. So one of the first things he did, um, the one offensive stat that isn't elite is their rushing yards per game. So 50, they were 50th in the country, but still 180 yards rushing. So he fired the offensive line and run game coordinator. They fixed that, but back to the defense, like it was a complete, you know, out with the old in with the new other than Larry Johnson, so I believe that Jim Knowles hire is is elite. I think it's a good one, yeah. Um, the work he did, like remember, this was Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State just gave you 450 yards a game. That's yep. just what they did. Yep. He he completely flipped that culture. Jim Knowles did at Oklahoma State. The thing is though, is it took four years. Like that defense right. really didn't start looking good till maybe end of the second year, but kind of into the third year. And it didn't really hit its stride to the fourth year. The article I read was that Ryan day and Jim Knowles said, we know we don't got four years here at Ohio state. So, and then from the interviews that I've seen is it's a headsy defense. Like guys got to know their roles in their defense for what they do. They call it offense on defense, which means they're attacking you know, the weaknesses of okay. the offense, but like it's got just a, a touch of feast and feast or famine to me on how the Jim Knowles hire is going to work out. Okay. See, I'm looking at it more of, I'm going beyond Jim Knowles. He basically, Ryan Day went down the stat list and everywhere that where they weren't elite, he got rid of somebody, right? Continuity is a big part of your staff and your program. This is why I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn on everything he's done here because okay. it could be just a panic move as opposed to a well thought out move. Maybe, maybe um, it could also be, but do you, so they're 50th in offensive rush yards. Yeah. So you, we got to change everything that, that but they I were understand. passing team. Correct. So like, what are you expecting? Do you, right. do you expect to be in the top five in every right. statistical category? <laughs> maybe they could, by the way, I wouldn't, I don't want to, I don't want to challenge them, but and, and, you know, getting the two, uh, and then Jim Knowles said in the article, it would be preposterous to think we could do this without two secondary coaches with Tim Walton and Perry Eliano, mm. which I, f- I found interesting. Mm. Like he, f- he felt like they needed that. Um, mm. I don't know. It is going to be interesting to see what that defense looks like right from the get go at the beginning of next year. Um, what's looking good, you know, everything else right i mean it's they have 21 commits in their 22 class only two are less than four star players they're doing okay yeah they're doing okay they have if you're if you're doing the math that's 19 four and five star players coming in just this year yeah um i think they are third or fourth in the country they were fourth in the country in overall recruiting but they were third in average star ranking okay um, and that is with, from the knowledge I've gained from listening to podcasts, uh, Alabama's uh, class would be number one with a bullet most years. But Texas A&M has essentially yeah. put a class together that typically we've only seen on video games before. Yeah, correct. For what Texas A&M. So, like, Ohio State is fourth and third in average. Most years they would probably be first or second. But long story short is, you know, They've got talent coming in. It'll just be interesting to see what that mix is on defense. Mm -hmm. Because another thing from that article, obviously I found that article pretty interesting, but another thing on that article is Ryan Day made it clear that he wanted a head coach-like person on the defense because he don't want to touch the defense. No. He wants Jim Knowles to be the guy to run it. So pretty cool for Jim Knowles, by the way. He has complete control of the defense at Ohio State. Yeah. That would be pretty fun. I I expect... Some improvement there. Next <laughs> I expect Ohio State to bounce back pretty good. Because yeah. you know another thing that they're going to have next year that they don't maybe always have? They're going to have a fire. 
in their belly, which is kind of scary. Yes, of that is a good point. Yeah, they got they got revenge on the mind. Yes, that not a position we are used to seeing them in. <laughs> the Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrel. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neat, or in your favorite bourbon, bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. And that gets us to back here, which is Minnesota. The 2021 Minnesota Golden Gophers, their preseason over-under was seven. I had them going eight and four. I also had them going eight and four. So we both hit the over, and we both nailed their record because that is exactly what Minnesota went. They went eight and four, won their bowl game to go nine and four. So schedule breakdown, you know, right back to the same game we just kind of kind of talked about. But I walked away, and we were live at the game. We did our Amador, coincidentally, Amador tailgate before yeah. the game. It was a blast. Uh, we got good weather uh, for the most part. I was extremely impressed with how Minnesota bat- battled Ohio State. Yeah, we expected an offensive game. We got an offensive game. We expected it to be, like, probably, I think we were kind of expecting Minnesota to be one of the top offenses, and they, they looked like it. They looked good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then the next two weeks uh, kind of go how you wanted them to go. They, they, they did the... Minnesota in the PJ Fleck yeah. era deal where they played down to the competition with Miami, Ohio kind of had to hang on to win that game, but they win 31 to 26. Then they go on the road. A ton of gopher fans went on the road Boy. too. went to Colorado. Yeah. Looked like, you know, half a dinky town went out there and they boat race. Yes, mm. that's right. I said boat raced Colorado, which is a P five team. Yeah. From the yeah. Uh, how I understand it. 30 to nothing, dude. Colorado couldn't do a thing in that game offensively. They had 63 total yards in the game. They had negative 19 yards rushing. That is about as bad as it can get. Or as good that's as like it can get. Without UConn being involved. Correct. So, yeah, that's as, that, and that's, as, that's as dominant as you can really be going on the road against a P5 team. So they start the year with a close but respectable loss to Ohio State. Get by Miami. Beat Colorado. Okay, Minnesota fans. This is when you hit that 30-second yeah. skip-ahead button right now. Lose to Bowling Green. What in the hell? What in – like, it is – you could make an argument this is the goofiest score in all of the Big Ten last year. I mean, it was – it just looked like offensively gross incompetence. Yes. Is what it looked like. Yes, and and obviously we have skipped over the fact that, you know, during the Ohio State game, they, they lose Mo Ibrahim, yeah. which is losing the heart and soul. So, like, that was one of the things where you thought, is this is this it? Is this where losing a, a, an offensive weapon like that is going to derail the season? I mean, Minnesota fans were in full meltdown mode. Yeah, they were in meltdown mode. Um, I can't say I blame them. I That... That's, that was bad. It was inexcusable. It was inexcusable, and it hurts. And it's it's like even when they look back on this season, well, that's the and one they that, see and they yeah. see a nine and four record. They were a Bowling Green yeah. win away from being ten and three. Ten wins. Yeah. But I tell you what, again, you have got to give Peach credit. Why? Because now they're two and two. Many a, a program would derail here. They rip out four wins in a row, right? And that's by, commendable. And by the way, this kind of this kind of shaped up well for them, the timing, because they just have Purdue's number. They do. So Purdue kind of righted the ship for them. Correct. Which is a great win like when you look at it. And remember, at it. this was this was uh um uh, uh revenge Purdue here because of how the game went in 2020 with the game, you know, or the, the officiated call down at the right, end. Right. So this was Purdue was gonna and it was rainy, crazy that day, but honestly. Minnesota was the better team that day. They were. For sure. Uh, but they were the best team next week when they played Nebraska. I mean, it only wound up being 30-23, to 23, but it was kind of a late score that got Nebraska back into that. Minnesota was definitely the better team there. Definitely the better team versus Maryland. They win that one 34-16. Don't even have to explain it uh, as with Northwestern. I mean, they just, they just took it to town. So they're feeling pretty darn good right now. They're sitting at six and two, and they got it going. And a lot of Minnesota fans are looking at their schedule, looking ahead, and they're like, "Look, 
it's a two-game schedule right now. It's Iowa and Wisconsin, and we can get into Indianapolis. But in come Kurtz Illini. Again, we were at that game. I, I mean, Illinois took it to them. Yeah, and it, they just could not figure out what Illinois was doing on defense. They were baffled yes. when they had the football. And and when it was bad this year for Minnesota, which really honestly was only twice, it looked the same. Bowling Green and Illinois looked the same, and yeah. the scores were almost the same. Almost. 14 yeah. to 10 with Bowling Green, 14 to 6 with Illinois. Now, Illinois is a better team than Bowling Green. Illinois' defense was maybe playing their best football of the whole year right around then. Yeah, I think they. this is where the schedule did not shape up well for Minnesota. If they had gotten Illinois early in the year, I think they dispose of them fairly easily. But Illinois was really coming to their own right around this time. And you got to kind of wonder if part of the deal with that was they were looking ahead to, to Iowa I mean, yeah, a little bit. Sure. Like, PGA has not beaten Iowa. They haven't beaten Iowa now. Seven years because Iowa wins twenty-seven to twenty-two. Minnesota's defense was really good that game versus Iowa. They limited almost everything Iowa wanted to do, except the, the weirdest thing in the world. Iowa's passing attack. It was an explosive. Yes, that's right. I said an explosive <laughs> Iowa passing attack. That's how Iowa got twenty-seven points on the board. I mean, honestly, it was such. It was so unexpected. I think that's why it worked. Yeah. That's how Iowa got points on the board. But again, they respond again. They absolutely dominate Indiana 35 to 14. Now they're sitting there at seven and four. I was wrong. It it sure seemed like this was going to be a Wisconsin win. Wisconsin was rolling at this time. I I did not feel confident at all for Minnesota going that game. And Minnesota had a phenomenal game plan. And I do want to make sure I try to clarify this a little because I do believe Braylon Allen's bum leg ankle mm, yeah. played into it, but he also had a bum ankle versus Nebraska and some of the teams before, and he, they motored right through those teams. He didn't, you know, motor through Minnesota's defense. You want to know why? Because Minnesota's defense came to play. They sure game. did, man. I... And, and the offense did what it needed to do to get points on the board versus that tough Wisconsin. I mean, it was a – you could just tell – it was a game plan carried out to perfection. It was. And so here's what the result was of that defense. Defensive total yards. They were third in the country in defensive total yards. Defensive rush yards, eight. Pass yards, nine in the country. Average scoring, six. This was an elite defense. This was an elite defense. And another elite turnaround in the Big Ten West. Purdue and Minnesota... <clears throat> our Spider-Man Mimi, as far as looking at themselves for what they look like in 2020 oh to my, what they look like oh my this past season. Amazing. It was incredible. And by the way, the guaranteed rate bowl, they beat West Virginia 18 to six, dude. They beat them way worse than 18 to six. Yeah. That should have been 30 to six. It's too bad it wasn't game. a prettier score. I know. Cause know? they deserved it to finish nine to four. Here's something. So you, you went down the defensive stats. Good job. Those are fantastic. What, what is shocking is, is the offensive passing yards, okay? 116th Oof, in the country. They boy. only had 162 yards per game. However, their offensive rushing yards were just short of 200 yards a game at 27th in the country. So can I – Can I? this This is what I would throw out to people, okay, um, about Minnesota's passing attack. I don't think their passing attack is as bad as what the stats bore out, okay? And I think that's – like, number one, going into next year – who do you feel better, the the best about for the passing attack of these three teams? Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Uh, Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. Pretty easy. Yes. Yeah. Right. The other thing too is there were so many times in so many games, Maryland, Northwestern, Nebraska, Colorado, Indiana. They were up so much in those games. Yeah. And they had that well-oiled machine of a rushing attack. There was just no need to throw the ball. Yeah, and we know that that's how P.J. coaches. He wants to control the clock. And if he doesn't need to pass and he can run, he's going to run the ball and run the game out. And I think that's probably part of the reason he loves Tanner Morgan because Tanner Morgan doesn't bitch and complain. Tanner Morgan just likes to win football games. And then the last thing I would say is their pass catchers were just never – healthy and all on the same page that's like a, it, there was guys in and out of the lineup whole the whole year yeah whole year. so honestly like you can kind of explain why why the passing attack wasn't that great i expected to improve all right team stud okay i couldn't choose just okay. one so i had to go with the whole running back room okay because there were so many of them right like it's not fair to not give it to trey potts just because he got injured we know it would have been mo ibrahim but then kai thomas comes in does a great job 
Marquise Bucko Irving comes in. He does a great job. Contributions from everybody. Bryce Williams. Heck, Derek LeCaptain yeah. at times contributed. Daniel Falele at times contributed yeah, the in ball. the running game. Cole Kramer. Let's just call yeah. him a running back. When he yeah. comes in, we know what's going to happen. Keith probably ran the ball at some point, didn't I, he? I, I'm sure he did. Okay. So the whole running back room is is okay. my answer. Thank you for taking the running back room because I'm going to take the other the, the the room on the other side of the wall, which was the Minnesota offensive line. And then I can name Keith and and Mount Falele. Um, I mean, they were just mauling people all year long but i honestly write for team stud i mean so basically my team stud is nine people let's call let's call it 10 the starting offensive line in coquif and also the defensive line i mean it was a new put together defensive line yeah. and because i think the linebackers were solid yeah okay, they, were. they were good linebackers but big, big improvement this year a, a, a huge improvement but i'm i'm telling you the linebackers were able to do their job because of that minnesota d-line for sure this was probably the best o-line d-line combo at minnesota i've ever seen wow okay i mean it's because yeah. they've had off, awesome offensive lines not so much on the defensive lines you know for a yeah. lot of years so that's a, yeah that's a good point it might yeah. be yeah. Okay. Uh, best game moment. Pretty obvious. Right? Yeah. Obviously, you have to go with Wisconsin here, but I do want to give an honorable mention to that Colorado game because of the dominance. Just going on the road and and yes, you mentioned they the Minnesota fans traveled very well to that game. So there's a lot of excitement around that game and only giving up 63 total yards. I just wanted to point that out. I, I got nothing more to add other than you'll never see a happier Gopher fan than when they got the axe. I mean, it yeah. is it. That's that's a happy Gopher fan. Right I mean, it's there. it's like the Army Navy game in a way. Yeah, like if you can salvage your season, you can by winning that game, or you can ruin your season by losing that game. And think about the think about. I mean, it didn't. This didn't happen. Okay, so I'm not saying it was that close. Whatever. Just hear me out. But they finished nine and four with a bowl win. Okay, they lose the axe game and lose their bowl, and they would finish what uh, uh, seven and six. Yeah. Think of how much difference sure. that is. Yeah. But that's what happens when you win a big rivalry game in your bowl game like that. Because I don't think there was a Minnesota fan that I knew of that wasn't happy with how the season ended. At 9-4, and actionable yeah. win. Absolutely. All right. Uh, head scratcher. Again, pretty obvious. Some, sometimes they're just obvious. Well, so I mean, there's two games you can go with, Bowling okay. Green or Illinois. But to, I'm going to go Illinois. Oh, come on. Illinois is a... A conference game. Those things happen. Right, but, okay, you win that game. Illinois was fresh off of beating Penn State? Or was that? Uh, yeah, they'd already beaten Penn State at that point. Okay, that's not All as right. much. Okay, you talked about it. Dude, it's Bowling Green. All right, It is fine. It is 100% Bowling Green. Okay. Okay. Fair that, enough. Uh, Minnesota, that'll be the last time we reference that game moving forward. We promise. Never need to do it again? Team grade. Solid B. Okay. Going with a B. Not a plus, not a minus. Solid B. Didn't win the West, so... Didn't accomplish all your goals, but obviously won the axe. Nine wins. Can't complain. With but, but again, okay. Bowling Green. Bowling Green. Illinois. Okay. Like, you, you could have won 10 games this year. Yeah. Hmm. I was debating between – I'm debating between B or B+. I'm going to go B+. I'm going to stick with a B plus. The axe is that big of a deal. I think the axe washes out Bowling Green. Okay. Okay. Then you add in – Nine wins total, winning your bowl game. So I, I'm going to I mean, they were in the Big Ten West race right down to the last weekend. Yeah, they That's were. That's a pretty good season. That is a good point. But mm, there's still that ugliness of the okay. offensive passing yards, too. All right. Fair enough. All right. So 2002 spring ahead. What needs improvement? I mean, passing game, we talked about. You know what kind of needs improvement right now? Is their recruiting. It's not, yeah. it's not going well it's right now. That's a good now. point, which is weird. It's so strange. They're they're 13th in the Big Ten in overall recruiting. They're also 13th, though, in average star ranking. So it's not like... Even the guys they're getting aren't right. really... Right. Yeah. Which, I don't know. I don't and understand that. And I haven't that. seen a ton of transfer portal stuff out of them either. Oh, they've I don't... got a little bit of TPs. Okay. They well... Some TPs. Well, in and out. I mean, it has. It's not. they're not high up on the list either way, is what no, I'm trying to not. say. I mean, most of their roster is going to be people that they recruited right. to campus. Yeah, that's... That's interesting. That's probably the correct answer. I was just going to say consistency, okay? Um, and I know 2020 was weird, okay? But, you know, it was up in, two, in 2019, down in 2020, up in 2021. Do it again. Eight wins or more. And, and I know that's looking ahead to the fall. 
But whatever you got to do, build that consistency to keep the program at the level or, or go higher. And then you guys got to throw out special teams. Special teams were still mm-hmm. a bit of an issue. Mm-hmm. Much better, but mm-hmm. still a bit of an issue last year. What's looking good? I mean, to me, again, it's just kind of the overall feel of the program. Like, yeah. I think PJ is got eyeballs on the program which isn't easy to do in a pro sports town it's he's doing a good job and i'm gonna throw one more in there new old offensive coordinator kirk shiraka coming yeah, back that's a good point that maybe that's what they need to shore up the passing the game. passing attack. maybe that's all they need yeah um and the last thing i would add is what's looking weird is whatever pj's got going on with his eyes yeah yeah Ooh, I'm, we're not the only ones to notice this i noticed that that this now famous picture, I noticed it right away. I'm like, why does PJ look so weird, weird here? Yeah. It doesn't look like PJ Fleck. And then, like, it was weird because th- that post came and went. There wasn't a lot of discussion. Then, like, a week later, everyone starts asking questions. What's going on with PJ? Yeah. My wife is like, fillers. That's fillers around his eyes. And I'm like, so maybe, you know, Heather was going in for a little nip and tuck, right. you know, upkeep. And, she, and her, you know, the doctor's like, hey, PJ, you know, you look a little tired really well, eyes you want to clean that up i mean he's signed that new contract he's yeah. got the money yeah he can clean it up why not that is your 2021 minnesota golden gophers last but not least the rucker scarlet knights over under preseason was four i predicted six and six wow yeah i went five and seven okay and you nailed it five and seven yeah. so we were both over but you nailed the score right yeah so five and seven uh for the regular season what? They got into a bowl? Yes, that's right. They got into a bowl, so they finished 5-8. and eight. We'll obviously get to that. So first out of the gate, breaking down their schedule. Bing, bang, boom, Boy, right? Yeah. Three conference games. Temple. Non-conference. Sy- non-conference games. Temple, Syracuse, and Delaware. They win them all. Yeah, and, 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 and not and, great and, teams that they went against here, as it turns out, but... That's how you beat bad teams. That's what I was going to say. 61 to 14 over Temple, 17 7 over Syracuse, 45 to 13 over Delaware. If you can remember, Rutgers offensively in 2020, I got to call them a juggernaut, but they were they were moving the ball pretty well in 2020. Then they got to this start at the beginning of the year. I was like, dude, Shiano's got stuff figured out yeah. offensively. It seemed like it. Well, and then we'll get in to the next part of the schedule. They lose the next four games, okay? But, boy, they played Michigan tough. They played Michigan tough. So they started 3-0, and and hindsight's twenty twenty. but they played a college football champ or college football playoff uh, uh, participant 20-13. to And at this point, you're thinking, bowl team. This is bowl Absolutely. team. Absolutely. Well, we were right, but right. we are more conventional. Did Ohio State break them? At fifty-two to thirteen. <laughs> well, I so maybe they they bent them, but then the next week, the one-two punch of Ohio State, Michigan State, maybe broke them. Okay, and Michigan State thirty-one to thirteen. Okay, well, but that, then they. <laughs> well, but that's what I'm saying. Like, right. So they play Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern gets their only conference win of the entire year and they beat Rutgers 21 to 7. And it it was just ugly. I could not believe how bad they looked in that game. They looked awful in that game. So Rutgers goes, you know, 61 points in their home opener, down to 17 but up to 45. Then the next game 13 points, 13 points, 13 points, 7 points. At this point their offense is struggling and then they do a head scratcher back the other way and beat Illinois. Boy, so uh, what's what's crazier that they lost to Northwestern and that they beat Illinois? Because they should be reversed. Those should be flipped. It, it should be reversed, and that was just such a gutsy performance by Rutgers going to Illinois. I mean, after they just went to the land of Lincoln the week before, right. flew out to Northwestern, uh, get beat, go back to Piscataway, fly back into <sighs> Illinois the next weekend, and get the win. And not only get the win, they were the better team. It they, wasn't a they fluke. Were, well, they were the no, better. I mean, it was they cool. were the they okay. were the better team. They were the. I mean, it was like they outclassed them. They played better that day, is it, what I would say. It was a good game. It was okay. pretty evenly matched, but they were the better team. Then they play Wisconsin, or did they play Wisconsin? Nah, because they got beat fifty-two to three, and then turn around and spank Indiana, who had pretty much given up playing football at this point they in had. the year. Yep, uh, forced all kinds of turnovers in that game, if I can remember. But then get blanked by Penn State, twenty-eight to nothing. And then kind of a pretty disappointing performance versus Maryland. 
they lose 40 to 16. So they lose three of their last four games. So naturally they get picked to go to a bowl game. And who do you draw? Last second, they play Wake Forest. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, they lost 40 to, or 38 to 10. They honestly played pretty well into the second half. Well, and you can't expect them to look great when they weren't practicing until just a, literally a few days before the game, like a week before the game, I believe, is when they got to actually start practicing and yeah. preparing for that. Just, just getting the team out there and getting everyone who – Many of them probably just trying to move on with their lives, right? Correct. No, I want to go play another game. That yeah. was uh, just getting that, getting the players to go to that game was a, a feat in its own right. Only Shiano could pull that off. I know. Um, when you look at the stats, they're not good. I mean, the the best statistic that you can point at across, you know, offensive total yards, offensive rush, offensive pass, defensive total pass rush. Average score for and against. Their best stat, average score against, they only gave up 24 points a game, good for 46th in the country. Total defense for yards, 81. Total offense for yards, 120. Doesn't look like a bowl game or bowl team. No, it doesn't. And, you know, I think maybe. (sighs) It's bad stats. This this is like Northwestern's is going to be worse. But, and, and, ironically they lost to them but like this was one of the more statistical bad teams in the big 10 it was and somehow they squeezed five wins out so you got to give them credit for that you do i agree uh okay team stud i went with my guy yep alakunle farakasi with 81 tackles leading the team three and a half sacks two forced fumbles and just one badass i think alakunle farakasi is hands down the team stud he's the team stud for statistics he's the team stud uh, for team leadership, he's the team stud for how he looks in his uniform. Yep. He's going to be stud at the next level. Yep, too. Can't wait to watch but, him. But you know, there's a. I hate listening to other podcasts that just trash on a program like Rutgers or Illinois, who, and just say, "Oh, that that pro, they have no good players." There are so many good players to choose from: Bo Melton, yep. Max Melton, Raquan O'Neal, Isaiah Pacheco, Christian Izian, Tyshawn Fogg. I could go on. There's plenty of good players on this record team. I agree. It's just that hardly any of them that you're going to pick out are along the lines. And it's definitely not going to be a quarterback. Fair. Yeah. That That's that's why. Mm-hmm. You, and I agree. There is talent across yep. there, but not in those areas. Um, for best game moment, I, I went back to the beginning of the year. Starting the year out 3-0 and and not really having to sweat out any of those games – I, I, that that was probably the best Rutgers fans felt the whole year. Yeah, that was definitely the best they felt all year. But I'm going to go with, again, that gutsy performance in Champaign. Okay. They traveled to Illinois two weeks in a row. And to me, that was just a game where even though I felt like the teams were pretty evenly matched, I'm like, there's Illinois has so much going for them in this game, which is why as an Illinois fan, I was, I was just heartbroken for that game. That was such a missed opportunity, but it's because they took the opportunity. It's a great point. It's a great point. Um, head scratcher. Northwestern. Yeah. I, 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 it's either Northwestern or just, and, and these two go hand in hand, but how was the quarterback played this bad? Yeah. Like, like, because I, I don't think the offensive line was good good no but i think the offensive line was good enough along with pacheco and some of the weapons yeah. on the outside that like the offense should have been better and in it's it's I, on the quarterback play yeah but i well could you just or the play calling i don't overall be, i don't know and by the way i really like deshaun gleason higher but it, something was wrong there it, it, it was i don't know was it just noah vedral i don't know or the other 27 quarterbacks i was they gonna played? say it's and and if when you look at the fact that it wasn't just one quarterback that there was literally five yeah. quarterbacks that they played and they all kind of stunk it up, maybe you do need to just look at the at the play design, the play color. What do you got for team grade? Team grade. It's a tough one. Yeah. Ah, boy. Okay. I'm deciding between two. I, okay, I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go B minus. Okay. I'm gonna go a minus there, just because okay. it's not pretty. Look at all the. It's not pretty. The unprettiness on, right. the, on the stat side of things. I yeah. was gonna. I was thinking B. But I, I would just convince myself B minus. See, I've been deciding between B minus and C plus. Maybe okay. C plus is a. But, no, but I'm gonna go. On. I'm gonna go C plus because, I mean, you finish okay for two reasons. 
you finished the season with eight losses, and I know one of them came in the bowl, but eight losses with those stats. But at the same time, if you compare what's happening right now to the Chris Ash era, yeah, this is a good point. Leaps and bounds better than what they were. Hundred percent. No, no argument there whatsoever. And like, what is what's your confidence level for Rutgers over the next you know three years? I feel pretty good about them. I feel pretty good, but a little bit less now than I actually did after the 2020 season. Yeah, that might be true because you you are looking at the offense saying, what's going on? How is this going to work? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the 2022, 2022, spring ahead, what needs improvement? Duh, right? Just offensive scheme. Yeah, scheme and quarterback play. Uh, Yeah. So they got the stud stud recruit, young guy on campus. Is that enough? Like, does he fit? Does he fit what they want to do offensively? Yeah, that's got to that's got to be what you get figured out ASAP. And that is all on. And and just start with explosiveness, hitting hitting some 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 plays because that's what they need. I mean, they they do need more playmakers Correct. on offense too, and they're going to lose a bunch too. But they're recruiting pretty well. Yep, not bad. Yeah. Um, what's looking good? I still think just and you kind of just said it. The overall feel with Shiano at the helm, like you feel like. You're always going to get the best effort out of this team every week. They're going to be prepared. That's what Shiano brings to the table. And again, the, so not to belabor the the stats too much, that's not that pretty. But if you just watch the football in general, it looks more like football than that, it did. It, it, like, it's got a very Bielema versus Lovey feel to Very it. much. Like the, the poop is in a group. It, yep. it, you can just tell guys are lined up and know what they're doing a little bit more. And they're recruiting. I mean, you already brought out, which which points the, towards the future. They're eighth in the Big Ten in recruiting. <laughs> Chris Ash was nowhere near eighth in the Big Ten in recruiting. They have four four-stars coming in this next class, which that, that was not happening. And ain't just Rutgers that's trying to recruit New Jersey. Tons of schools trying to recruit New Jersey. He's got a ton of competition. So being able to keep four guys, I guess, I don't know if they're all from New Jersey. My guess is they're probably pretty close to there. It's good stuff. And he's like, he went into Illinois and grabbed this guy that... I mean, I think Illinois would have wanted him. And he, how do you do that? As someone in Jersey, you come in, and it was Central Illinois. He comes to Central Illinois and gets this, you know, athlete type of player. Who knows, not super high ranked, but just being able to get a guy like that that other programs wanted. Right. And, okay, come out to Jersey. Garden State, baby. Yeah. Yeah. All right, there it is. The 2021 Rutgers Scarlet Knights. You got anything else? No, sir. Happy birthday. Thanks, One sir. more time. Hope yeah. it's a good day for you. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kirk. It's been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.